Well, good, mo good morning, Scott. Good morning, Scott. And it's kind of calm in here and quiet. You know, I'm from Africa, and we don't, we don't talk low, in, in low tones. You know, we like to be loud and obnoxious sometimes. So, and your chaplain told me to do that. So, again, thank you so much for inviting me uh, a second time. It's a, really a, an honor and pleasure for me to be here, to be with you, and uh, to share God's Word with you, especially on this Holy Week. I know it looks a little terrible out there with all the rain, and uh, I was hoping that we would be outside where it's nice and sunny, uh, but that's okay. Uh, God's Word will warm our hearts uh, this morning. Now, we like to uh, stand as we honor God's uh, you know, Word as we read at my church at New City East Lake. so I'm going to ask you to stand uh, with me. Uh, the, the passage I chose for us this morning is in uh, the Gospel according to John chapter 18, and I'm going to read verses 33 to the end. Hear now the reading of God's holy and inspired word. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this on your own accord, or do others say to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this, for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone, who is, who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas, was a robber. This is the word of God. You may be seated. You pray with me. Lord, would you help us as we consider your word this morning? Help us to be transformed by it. And even during this holy week, as we meditate and reflect upon the ultimate sacrifice that you have made on our behalf, would you help us to know that indeed you have come as our King of Kings to make us more like you every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time I was here, uh, I heard that there was a rumor about me. Chaplain spread a rumor about me. He probably doesn't remember. Uh, but the rumor went something like this, that when I was a kid, I was a shepherd boy. Uh, when I stood up to preach, I did not have time to respond to that rumor, whether it's true or not. So this morning, I'm here to confirm that rumor, that it is indeed true uh, as a kid, I grew up in Kenya and I was a shepherd boy. I grew up taking care of goats and sheep. And yes, I hated it. Yes, I was terrible at it. And so I think God has a great sense of humor that he said, Well, Josiah, you failed at your duty to care for sheep. Now I am going to ask you to be the shepherd of my sheep. I thought that was funny. I guess it wasn't. 
Well, so you, you learn so much uh, as, a, as a shepherd. I mean, most of, I'm sure none of you has ever been a shepherd before, caring for goats and cows. Anybody here? No? Okay. You learn so much, especially caring for goats and cows in my village. One of the things that you learn really quickly as a shepherd grazing out in the fields is that things don't always appear as they are. Things don't always appear as they are. In fact... Don't go running around the fields and picking up sticks because that stick could be a snake, a poisonous snake that is just pretending to be a hard stick waiting for its prey. Don't go picking up berries out in the field because berries are good and when you're a shepherd and hungry, you probably want a passion fruit. Yes, we picked up passion fruits out in the middle of nowhere because that passion could be a poisonous chameleon that looks like a passion fruit. Why do I tell you this? Because I believe in God's economy, things don't always appear as they are. In God's economy, things don't always appear as they are. You tell me, how is it that Scripture tells us that the meek can rule? How is it that the Bible tells us that the poor are rich, that the weak are strong, that those with majesty are in fact kings? Tables turned, because that is what we find in God's economy, that fools are called the wise. The story that we just read is Jesus is facing, facing Pilate for a second time. The first time the crowds were there, they, they were coming and, and making claims about Jesus, and, and, they were trying, and, and they were trying to accuse Jesus of doing something he had not done. And so Pilate decides to do an investigation for himself to find out if Jesus is truly this insurrectionist, this revolutionary king that they're claiming him to be. And then we find Pilate inviting Jesus into his headquarters, and it's just the two of them. And there's a trial that's going on here in John chapter 18, a trial between Jesus and, and Pilate. But tables are turned because you may think that Jesus is the one who's on trial, but it's actually not Jesus that's on trial. Pilate is on trial. The questions that I read, and I hope you heard the questions as I read them in, this, in the passage that we just read, those questions reveal something about Jesus' kingly mission. Those questions reveal something about the human heart. So the two things we're going to look at this morning. So what do these questions as as Pilate is questioning Jesus, reveal about Jesus' mission. Again, as I said, the tables are turned because Pilate is asking Jesus, are you the king of the Jews as the people are accusing you to be? I mean, Pilate is probably being dismissive here, right? He's, he's almost asking the king, are you the king of the Jews? And, and why would we expect Pilate to believe that Jesus is the king of the Jews? I mean, he, he, Jesus is standing here alone. He has no army. He has no majesty. There are no people around him. There are no people with weapons to, to show power that this guy is actually the revolutionary king that he claims to be. He stands there dressed in peasant clothing. He stands there with bloody sweat. And yet he has been called a king. Again, no one turns tables on Jesus unless Jesus allows it to happen. So Jesus is actually allowing it to happen. And so Jesus responds to his question and asks Pilate again, well, because Jesus 
can't, cannot answer Pilate with a yes or no answer because the answer is a, is a little complicated, right? Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus wants to identify, he wants to clarify what Pilate means. And so he asked the question, is that your own idea or did you get that from some other people? Did people plant that idea into your head? Again, it is Pilate here who is on trial. Jesus is actually directing his questions towards Pilate's heart. He is after his heart. Again, Jesus had claimed to be the Messiah, to be the Son of God. The Jews did not like that. It was blasphemy, but they know that if they present that claim to Pilate, it's not going to cut ice. Why? Because Pilate doesn't care about that. Pilate cares about people that threaten his kingdom, and so they try to formulate in a very calculating manner the claim about Jesus that this guy is actually a dangerous insurrectionist. Why? Because they're trying to get a death penalty on Jesus. Kill him, destroy him, because he's claiming to be Christ. Again, Jesus cannot answer Pilate's question because it's a little complicated. But notice how Jesus becomes the interrogator. Notice how Jesus, the prisoner, has now become the judge to Pilate. Again, Pilate's answer, instead of answering, he also responds with another question. And he asks Jesus, am I a Jew? I mean, the Jews are the ones who brought you to me, so why are you asking me this question? In, in essence, he's saying that the, the Jewish royal pretensions of any Jew can mean nothing, absolutely nothing to me personally. Because he has no stake in their outcome. I mean, Pilate disdains, he's, you know, he, this is, he's a Gentile, he disdains the Jews. And then he asked Jesus, what have you done? What is it that you have done that these people are coming to you and saying that you need to die? Pilate is skeptical. Skeptical about the accusations. He knows that something, Jesus must have done something wrong, but he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> the funny thing is that Pilate is going to end up doing exactly what the Jews want. He's going to play into their game. But I really believe that the question that Pilate is asking is not, are you the king of the Jews? I think the question that Pilate is addressing is this, are you my king? Are you my king? <laughs> again, Jesus is not going to hide the fact or hide the truth. He acknowledges that he's a king. But again, he must define what that means. So he tells Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. Yes, you say I am a king. It's definitive. It is true. I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. Meaning, my reign does not have its source or origin from man, from the world. This kingship of the, you know, the kings of the world preserve their kingship by force and violence. That's why Jesus says, well, if I was a king of this world, then I would have my army and, and, and weapons and all these things, you know, surrounding me and fighting for me so that I don't stand trial before you. But he's saying, no, my kingdom is not of this world. Again, Jesus is not saying that his kingdom has no power or that his kingdom has nothing to do with the world. No, you bet, you bet his kingdom has power in this world. His kingdom has an inbreaking in the world and it has, it has influence in the world. But his kingdom is given by God. His, his kingdom is not established by human struggle. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. It is active in the world, but it's a spiritual kingdom. One day it is coming with power, but not power that is found in this world, but power that is found 
in God. Again, why is Jesus telling Pilate all these things? Why is Jesus making this claim and, and proving that he, he is a king, but not a king as Pilate may imagine? It's because he wants to prove his in innocence. Again, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Jesus isn't trying to hold on to power. Jesus is not trying to hold on honor and glory. Pilate is scared if Jesus is this insurrectionist. Pilate would be scared because he's going to lose his power and his glory and his fame. But Jesus is basically saying, no, my kingdom is not of this world. Instead of me trying to hold on to power, I give my glory and I'm going to go die on the cross. He's not arrayed in robes. He doesn't have any majesty and honor to attract the world. Do you remember the feeding of the 5,000? As Jesus miraculously feeds the 5,000 and they keep asking for, for more bread like the manna that Moses gave to them. And yet Jesus is standing before the people and claiming to be the bread of life that if you eat of him, you shall never be hungry again. And yet they do not see what's going on. It is the same thing here that the world cries for a savior, for a king. And yet the one who has come to be our king, the one who has come to meet our greatest need stands before us and we do not see him. This is King, Jesus' kingly mission. It was for this reason Jesus says that he was born. It was for this reason that he came to be the king, to be the king of kings. And then he says that his kingdom is not only the, you know, is not of this world or from this world, but his kingdom is a kingdom of truth. The truth here is not something just more intellectual. We're all in academia here, right? Studying and being filled with knowledge, which is good for us. But the truth that Jesus is alluding to here is not merely intellectual. He is basically saying the truth that I am declaring is the self-disclosure of God himself. That I am the Son of God who has come to reveal who the Father is. I am the truth. That Jesus' kingship his exercise of his messianic kingship is, 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 is done by disclosing this truth of God. That Jesus exercises his power as the king by showing us true salvation. That Jesus exercises his kingship as king by teaching us about God's judgment upon the world for those who will not repent. That in a world subject to unreality and delusion, one preacher says, Jesus offers the reality of a personal relationship with the only true God, a life in the truth which sets free. Jesus is offering that to Pilate. Jesus, the prisoner, is offering his judge true freedom. So that's one. What about the questions that reveal man's heart, our heart? If you go back to John 18, verses 28, that little paragraph there is, is really ironic and, and a real tragedy. We read in, in John 18, 28 that the Jews did not want to go into Pilate's headquarters because they did not want to be defiled. Because 
Pilate is Gentile. They wanted to partake of the Passover. And so for you to go into a Gentile's home would defile you and make sure that you don't partake or participate in the Passover. <laughs> Ironic, right? That the, the, they seek cleansing before God while plotting and scheming the destruction of God's beloved son. Again, as one pastor puts it, in their zeal to eat the Passover lamb, they unwittingly help to fulfill its significance through, through demanding the death of the lamb of God, at the same time shutting themselves out from its saving efficacy. How often do we depend upon the fulfillment or the ritual observance that we have to alleviate our conscience before God? How many times do we depend upon our rituals? How many times do we depend upon our spiritual disciplines and we somehow take Jesus out of the equation of our life? Instead of depending on him who can save us, we depend on our self-righteousness? Religion will not redeem us. Neither will rituals save us from sin. Only Jesus will. See, again, Jesus has already explained to Pilate the nature of the mission of his kingdom negatively. He says it's not of this world and positively that it's a kingdom of truth. And this is why Jesus was born. This is why Jesus came. Notice Pilate's response to that. What does he say? What is truth? I mean, we would expect Pilate to stand there and let Jesus explain to him, right? Well, if you want to know the truth, well, then stand there and let me explain to you what the truth is. Maybe you will know what the truth is. Since it looks like you don't understand, you don't know what truth is. But he doesn't stay. He doesn't wait to be told what the truth is. He is not interested in the truth. Maybe Pilate was thinking about Plato. Maybe Pilate was thinking about Greek philosophy that, that, that talks about, well, what is truth anyway? It's relative, right? What is truth? I, I do think that that question that Pilate asks really does depict the mind of the modern person. And not just people that are outside of Christ, but also people that are in Christ. We struggle with what, that question. What is the truth? It is the disillusionment or disillusioned voice of our culture that says truth is unknowable. It is the voice that says truth is non-existence. It is the lie that says that truth is always evolving through the flow of history. It is the truth, it is the, the lie that says truth is what is true to you and what may be true to you may not be true to me. It is the lie that says that we need to determine truth subjectively by what we feel and what we think. Well, friends, I am here to tell you this morning that there is indeed something that is true. And that truth is an entity. That truth is singular. That truth holds together. That truth is objective. You can talk about it. You can search it. You can discuss it. You can find it. You can debate about it, and you will find it to be truth. 
This truth does not come from us. This truth comes from above. This truth is only understood and known through revelation because apart from revelation and God revealing himself in his word, we cannot know who he is and we cannot know what truth is. Friends, we cannot guess what God has done for us in salvation through Christ unless it is revealed to us through his word. And so that truth comes from God. That truth is embodied in a person. That truth is not abstract. It is more than equations and propositions. Truth is personal. Truth is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ, the King of kings. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Do you believe in him? John begins his gospel in John 1.1 saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he says, This Word, the truth, is the Word made flesh. And he is the one who has come to reveal the mysteries of God, to explain those things that may be plain for us to understand who we are and who God is. So what happens with Pilate by rejecting to hear the truth? Pilate remembers a little detail in Jewish history. He remembers that there's a way out for me out of this quandrum because, again, Pilate does not find Jesus with any fault. He thinks Jesus is innocent. And, and, and to this point, Pilate has actually done the right thing. He's actually acted just fine. But he makes a mess of it. So he remembers the little history that Jews would release a prisoner every Passover to remember their deliverance their merciful deliverance by God from Egypt. And so he thinks by presenting a criminal, an insurrectionist, a murderer, a jailbird, Barabbas, that the Jews would actually say, yes, go ahead and just, you know, we're not going to release the criminal. Let go of the free man, the innocent man, Jesus. To his surprise, the crowds will cry, no, not this man. Give us Barabbas. They are not interested in the truth. They are not interested in the kingdom of the truth. Why would they? Why would they be interested in the kingdom of the truth anyways? Why not be interested in a man like Barabbas? A man that they can control. A man they can handle. A man that if he becomes an insurrectionist, they can send him back to jail. Barabbas is never going to ask anybody to put their life under, the, under his rule. Barabbas is just Barabbas, but Jesus, Jesus shakes the Roman Empire without firing a shot. Jesus does not come with military power or with majesty, and yet because of his words, because of what he has said, the world is at a standstill. Jesus has caused a huge revolution, and nobody knows what to do with him. Because they cannot handle Jesus, then they say, give us Barabbas. Do you hear it, friends, that sometimes that is our cry? Because we do not know what to do with Jesus, the Son of God that is here to expose our sin, to expose our need of Him, the Son of God that claims that He has power and that He has come to rule of our lives and He wants to be the King in your life, He wants to be the Lord in your life, and yet, because we do not want that to happen, we cry out, give us Barabbas. Give us that which we can handle. Give us that which we can control. But don't give us this man that we do not know what to do with him.
they will have their way. But in the wonder of God's grace, their wishes coincide precisely with our needs. The guilty man walks free, and the innocent man dies. Because in God's economy, things don't always appear as they are. Because you tell me, friend, in what world do the guilty walk free and the innocent die? I will tell you, it is in God's economy because he becomes sin for us. So that instead of crying, give us Barabbas, we can cry, we want Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us, the one who became cursed, the one who died so that those who are under the curse of the law, so that those who were supposed to experience the wrath of God do not experience his wrath, but we are redeemed by his grace. The crowds had confronted with the same, like the crowd were confronted with the same question, whom will you follow? What cries are you going to make today? Is it Barabbas, the alluring alternative, the fulfilling of this worldly ambitions and dreams, the gratification of our lusts, our nationalistic dreams? our political kingdoms that we yearn, or the one who stands before us with bloody, stained hands? Are we going to choose the path that begins from the valley of our confession and repentance, but that leads to a pathway of surrender to him as Lord and Savior? What is truth anyway? The truth is that Jesus is the King of Kings. The truth is Jesus is the judge. The truth is without him, we are under the wrath of God. The truth is Jesus wants to rule your life. The truth is Jesus has turned the tables around so that the guilty may walk free, but there's a price to be paid. And he says, I have paid the price for you. The question is, are you gonna cry Barabbas? Or are you gonna cry, give me Jesus? Give me Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we remind us that you have come to be the king and to rule in our lives. Oftentimes, Lord, we find ourselves conflicted by you and by how you work in our lives. Would you, Lord, grant us the patience to search and to wait and to see your truth? Would you grant us also the humility to receive your truth as it is found in Christ Jesus. I pray that they, that may be so, my dear friends.
he had covenant. Pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.